Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters here on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Thursday, December 22nd, we are studying the hymn, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. That is hymn number 356 in Lutheran Service Book. This hymn invites us to rejoice in the Annunciation and the Visitation, two events recorded for us in Luke chapter 1. We rejoice that the Savior of the world is born. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Luke Zimmerman. Pastor Zimmerman serves at Calvary Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Pastor Zimmerman, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Oh, it's always good to be back. As we get started today, Pastor Zimmerman, let's talk a little bit about the season of Advent. We are right here at the very end of of Advent. Christmas is almost upon us. And you kind of see that in the hymns that come toward the end of the Advent section. And, and in this hymn in particular, I think we, we see the the transition from Advent into Christmas. But let's let's talk a little bit about the season of Advent, its importance in the church year, its role in the life of the Christian, and, and especially as we think about that transition from Advent to Christmas. So, so, so Advent is a season of preparation. Uh, we, we can talk about it as a countdown to the nativity. Uh, that, that there is an aspect to that. And, and it's not wrong, it's, but it's maybe not the fullness of what the season is supposed to be. I mean, as much as we might like the Advent calendars and Advent wreaths and things like that, which are, are kind of focused to this idea that we are going to celebrate the nativity of our Lord uh, on the 24th, 25th of December, and then celebrate Christmas for, you know, 12 days after, you know, are inclusive, I guess you would say. Uh, that That's important, and, and it's not a bad thing. Um, however, there is another aspect of Advent, is that we're really kind of anticipating Christ appearing. And now for us, that's a little bit different, uh, than um, our Old Testament forefathers, you know, those who came uh, before us who were waiting for the Messiah to arrive, the, the Christ to be born, the Lord to fulfill those promises, which, which we do celebrate at Christmas, absolutely. Um, but we're also kind of anticipating the fact that this same Christ who came, uh, who appeared in time, um, appeared in history and performed great works of salvation for us, has also given his promise that he's going to return. And he's going to fulfill even more promises, which will culminate in all those aspects of the Messianic age, which the Old Testament prophets spoke about, and which our Lord Jesus also spoke about, and which his apostles point us towards, that all those things will be fulfilled. 
And so in many ways, Advent is a countdown to Christmas, but it's actually a countdown to a day that's not on our calendar in the idea that it's not a fixed day. We can't point to it's going to be on a particular day and a particular month in a particular year. And yet there is this promise that this great day is going to come when our Lord is going to appear. Everyone will see him. Everything which he has promised about a new heaven and new earth will be inaugurated and executed, and we are to be part of it. So when we talk about preparation, yes, there might be the preparation um, of, uh, you know, getting ready to celebrate Christmas, and our, and our children might be getting their Christmas pageant stuff memorized, and our choir directors and musicians might be getting all, like, the Christmas service organized. And we might be getting our houses ready for our relatives to come in at Christmas tide. But even more so is this great preparation of the time when Jesus will return in all his glory. He will be the judge of the living and the dead. He will be the one who rules over all things. And there will be nothing that will interfere with his rule. And we are in that, we have citizenship in that kingdom now but we're waiting for the fullness of that to be shown. And, and that's, that's a major aspect of Advent, which will make it different than perhaps um, just the, everybody getting ready for Christmas like you might see in the world. We, mm-hmm. we do participate in that, it, there, no denying it. Um, but for us, Advent carries that even greater theme and, and greater significance. So even here at the end of the season of Advent, that still is our focus, that we are awaiting Christ's return. And and particularly at the end of of Advent, when, you know, Christmas Eve is right about to be upon us and Christmas Day and those worship services are coming and you're getting ready to sing the Christmas carols, it is good that we remember that Christian purpose of Advent to point us forward to our Lord's second coming, should that happy occasion arise when he comes, say, on the 23rd of December, and you don't actually get to sing the Christmas carols in in worship because you're singing the heavenly chorus with the angels and around the throne of God. I mean, so that that's an important reminder, yeah. especially as we get to the end of Advent. Uh, another pastor put it this way once, that the best Advent is the one that doesn't actually get to Christmas because the Lord returns first. And I thought that was so helpful. Yeah, I, I've said that to my people, kind of putting a very kind of a similar idea. Um, it's like in Advent, we are getting ready for Jesus' return, and we're prep, we're prepared for that great day. And if it doesn't happen this Advent, well, we'll celebrate Christmas, and then, right. and we'll and, and we'll get ready for next year. That's right. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's a, that's a fine way of putting it. Well, and so, and that is, that is where, as the season of Advent does draw to a close and approach the season of Christmas, if the Lord does not return in that time, then our readings and our hymns later in the season of Advent do tend to focus our attention more toward the texts of Christmas and those, you know, of Jesus actually being born or right before he's born. I think that's part of the, the case that we have with the hymn today. It, it's generally sung more toward the end of the season of Advent rather than the beginning. Before we look too closely at this hymn, though, uh, Pastor Zimmerman, what, what's your favorite Advent hymn? Yeah, mine is actually uh, Prepare the Royal Highway, or sometimes oh. it's uh, translated Prepare the Way O Zion. That's uh, number 343 in Lutheran service book. Why is that? Uh, well, it's kind of nifty. It's it's um it, it's tied to the the entry of Jesus. Uh, the first Sunday in Advent, we speak about Jesus' uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and, and there's always that kind of the 
uh, juxtaposition about like, okay, so here's how he came into Jerusalem uh, the first time to really fulfill his role as the Christ in achieving salvation. But we're also anticipating Jesus coming as a king, and it's not going to be on the donkey, okay? It's it's, going to be on the clouds with the angels, the Son of Man appearing, everybody's seen him. And we're getting that highway ready. And, and, and we're getting everything leveled, raised up. Uh, the King of Glory is coming. We're, we're doing the Isaiah 40 stuff, which, um, which, which we're told to do, which John the Baptizer tells us to do as well. We're, we're, getting, um, we're, we're getting this King who's going to come, and we're, we want to be like that crowd that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, uh, but we, we want to be part of that throng when everybody is going to acknowledge his monarchy and his rule, and that we recognize that this is going to be the greatest of kingdoms that, that will ever be in existence, and ours is never going to come to an end when he brings it in. And it kind of carries that, and it's got a nice, uh, nice uh, uh, melody uh, music to sing it to. Yeah, yeah, that's a. It is a very unique tune, especially there the refrain at the end where you go up in in fun fun intervals. That's a that's a good tune. So indeed, pre- yeah. Prepare the Royal Highway number three forty three. Thank you, Pastor Zimmerman, for sharing that favorite Advent hymn of yours. Today we get to look at number three fifty six, which is the angel Gabriel from heaven came. Pastor Zimmerman, as we prepare to look at the text of the hymn, just talk a little bit about its background, uh, summarizing, give us some general information on this hymn before we dig into individual stanzas. Okay, sure. So this uh, hymn is, um, well, first, if you just kind of talk about its basic content, and we'll explore the content, obviously, in our study, but just so our listeners can think of it, is um, sometimes we have carols that we sing that kind of just put in poetic language. They just tell us the details of a story, uh, kind of like a ballad sometimes, or um, just kind of a recounting. And so what we have here is actually a hymn that is focused on uh, the Annunciation of our Lord. So that's when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and and reveals to her that she will be the mother of the Son of the Most High God. Um, And then we have this other event in Luke chapter 1, the Visitation, where Mary, who has now uh, is carrying the pre-born Messiah within her womb, uh, shows up at Elizabeth's house, who is about to give birth to John the baptizer, uh, so the infant John, preborn, um, and she's welcomed into the house and acknowledged as the mother of the Lord uh, by Elizabeth, and then you have this Magnificat, this great song that Mary sings that speaks about her uh, blessed status that God's given to her. Well, those events in Luke 1 are being recounted in poetic form in this song, in this uh, carol. What's interesting about it is it's a translation of a translation, or maybe a paraphrase of a translation of another hymn. Mm. So uh, what we have here is a hymn that comes to us from the Basque people. Those are, was, there's this ethnic group of individuals that live in Spain and 
bits of France, kind of so north central Spain, southwestern France. Um, they speak a language that's not connected to any of the Romance languages, or Spanish or French, which is spoken around there, um, or even kind of like the Celtic languages up near Brittany, um, kind of uh, a little bit further north in France, not connected at all. No one's quite sure where exactly this language came from, uh, but there are people who speak it, and kind of like what we see in other parts of Europe, where you had the Western Church conducting its um, services and, and, and prayers and worship in Latin, well, that wasn't the language people were speaking day to day, uh, you know, once like the Roman Empire is gone, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, and so they, they were taking these things from Latin into their vernacular language. Well, it happens that there is like this hymn in Latin about the angel coming to the Virgin Mary that tells about the Annunciation, and for whatever reason, uh, the Basque people brought that Latin hymn, Angelus ad Virginum, into their Basque language. Well, great. Well, we're, we're familiar with that. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a bunch of that that happened, bringing Latin stuff into into German. I mean, our, our Lutheran forefathers did that. Um, or Latin into English, which uh, like Church of England people did, and, and they're in our books. So that's kind of what they were doing. Well, the thing is, we have this guy, uh, Sabin Baring Gould, who is an Anglican priest, who comes and has interest in collecting folk songs, who, whose family is wealthy, they're like landed gentry in England, in uh, Devon, England, so southwest England. Um, and one of the times in their family travels, they actually spent a winter in the Basque country, so where this ethnic group lived. So you might have like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this. And there was work done by some French people to kind of collect Basque songs and bring them into French, you know, so people could do that. Well, this guy, uh, Sabin Baring Gould, uh, brings this Basque carol and paraphrases it into English. And that's how it comes. So you got this Latin to Basque to English. Um, and that's the text we have. That's quite a journey from, from all the way <laughs> to get to our hymnal today. This is a, a relatively a new hymn, I think, to our to our hymnals, uh, but it is a, a nice addition. One one note I think that's that's worth pointing out, as you were saying, it, within this hymn, we are going to hear about both the Annunciation of our Lord and the Visitation. And although we do associate those events with the season of Advent, they actually are observed during other parts of the year. So this is a hymn that you might sing at another time, not just in December before Christmas. Right. So if you uh, have churches, and, and sometimes our churches have uh, the practice of gathering for worship on what we call festival days, and some of those are fixed. So the Annunciation is March 25th. Now, a lot of times it ends up in the, you know, kind of in the middle of Lent or kind of towards the end of Lent, if you have a very early, kind of earlier Easter. Um, and so sometimes it gets skipped if it falls during Holy Week. Uh, but if you are gathering and you want to celebrate this, this is a good good thing to do. 
and I, I believe it's actually to prescribe him the day for um, enunciation. Uh, visitation is marked, well, that depends which lectionary you're following. So if you have a, a, the one-year lectionary, it's like June 2nd. If you're the three-year, which I think most of our people are following, it's May 31st. And that would be a very appropriate um, uh, thing to celebrate if it falls uh, outside of Easter. Mm. Um, uh, on Sundays or maybe a midweek service, which right. some of our churches have regular midweek services. Yeah, yeah, it's a good thing to remember these events. Yeah, for sure, for sure. When, I forget which calendar year it was, but there was one year in recent memory where March 25th, the Annunciation of Our Lord was also Good Friday, which that was a that was a fun year because of the, the connections you can draw between what happens in the Annunciation and where Jesus is headed to the cross. So yeah. we have perhaps the opportunity to, to speak of such connections today in connection with this hymn. Again, we're looking at number 356 in Lutheran service book, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. This is stanza one. The angel Gabriel from heaven came with wings as drifted snow, with eyes as flame. All hail to thee, O lowly maiden Mary, most highly favored lady, Gloria. That is stanza one of the hymn, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. So we're going to take this account bit by bit as it's recorded for us in the stanzas. This is stanza one. I, I suppose it's it's worth pointing out, Pastor Zimmerman, that that first line is slightly unusual syntax for most English speakers for the sake of poetry. But but what it says is the angel Gabriel came from heaven. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> and so that's that's what we're talking about. When the angel Gabriel came from heaven to visit Mary, this is called the Annunciation. And the, the description is quite striking with wings as drifted snow with eyes as flame. That puts a wonderful image in your head. Let's let's talk about the image of the vis or excuse me, the annunciation that we're getting here. All right. So angels are these creatures that show up from time to time uh, that the Lord has made and they carry out missions that he gives them. They they are direct servants of the Lord. Uh, they're not humans but sometimes they appear in like a human form. Although other times they appear in like just strange form when you read, when you read in the scriptures. But one of the things that's in common is they tend to be apparently bright or shiny or dazzling white. And that's what that second line is picking up. So Gabriel from heaven, this angel Gabriel shows up, comes down from heaven, shows up in Nazareth, pops right wherever Mary of Nazareth is, and it's, you know, intense because angels just are this, you know, way. Um, so, like, the seraphim up in Isaiah, uh, the angels, when they show up, you know, we're going to get the Christmas hymns, the Christmas carols, just around the corner, right? Bright light, shining, air, shepherds are just going out of their mind, you know, out of fear, right? Um, later, when we have the angels showing up, uh, when Jesus is risen from the dead and the tomb is empty and the women come to the tomb, and you got these, you know, this man uh, appearing like lightning and white as snow clothing, right? Well, that's the image. That, that's the image we have of these angelic beings. Uh, care, you know, they're, they're, they're not of this world. They are heavenly. Um, and they are without sin, at least 
the the ones who are not the fallen angels. You know, uh, they're, they're without sin, and you kind of have perhaps that reflection of that nature being manifested in the way that they appear. Mm, yeah, I think another place that you might consider is maybe the book of Ezekiel and that opening vision of the, of oh, yeah. the chariot. I mean, you know, that that's just one of those strange texts where the description of, of I think, the angels, or, or maybe it's the four living creatures. I, uh, but again, you, you see the, like, the way that this hymn speaks of the imagery. You know, it's not the angel Gabriel from heaven came like one of the precious moments, babies. This is this yes. is a, a mighty warrior <laughs> who is coming to visit Mary with this good news, as it turns out. And that, I, that's one of the things I, I really appreciate about this hymn, is that it does put a, a biblical, uh, helpful image into our minds concerning the holy angels, whereas you know our, our culture is perhaps a bit confused when it comes to the what we should be thinking about when we think about the holy angels. Right, and of course, he has already appeared to Zechariah in the temple with the uh, uh, the foretelling of John's birth. <laughs> of course, that didn't go very well. Right? <laughs> not for John, uh, or not for Zechariah, at least. Well, <laughs> right, right. I mean, the enunciation of that did go well. I mean, the message was given, but yeah, yeah, for Zechariah, it wasn't. You know, uh, yeah, it wasn't happening. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe in the way that it should have happened. That's um, right. That's it, right. For faithful. So the same Gabriel is there, and he greets Mary. All right, so talk about the, the greeting that's given to Mary here in, in stanza one of this hymn. So when you think of the Annunciation, and you, you have Gabriel saying, you know, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And, and Mary is actually kind of troubled <laughs> at this and trying to figure out what this means. And, and, and why is there an angel here? And how am I favored? Well, you have, you have to think of, you know, who this is uh, receiving this message from, from the angel. Um, Nazareth is not, um, you know, a super prominent town. Uh, you're, you're talking to a young woman who is betrothed uh, to be married, uh, but, you know, she's not of major significant status by her family. And these things just don't happen in Galilee, right? I mean, um, you know, you can think of like maybe in Jerusalem, may, maybe that's where something should have happened. And, and yet this is the individual whom the Lord has chosen uh, to be the instru- an instrument used um, to achieve the incarnation of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Out of all the women that ever existed, out of all the women who have ever gone before her, out of all the women who have come after her, only this one has been chosen for that purpose. And it's not her who's chosen it, right? It's not like she took some sort of exam and said, okay, she scored the highest or something, you know, um, or necessarily volunteered, um, say, I will be it. Uh, It's not something she's achieved. It's it's a selection that's been made. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's favor has selected her out of all the women to be the one to fulfill that Genesis 3 promise. Talk more about that 
in connection with the line with which all of these stanzas close, most highly favored lady. What uh, Talk about what that means, because there is some confusion within the wider Christian church as to what it means that, that Mary is this most highly favored lady. What, what is the true biblical understanding of, of that phrase? Yeah, it, it's, really, it's really tied to this status she has as, as being um, the God-bearer. That it, it, in Greek, we call it a theotokos. That's a, that's a, a theological term that the Church has used. A, as the one uh, who would give birth to the seed of the woman that was promised back in Genesis 3. Uh, and, our, and our listeners might remember the fact, you know, uh, the world is created perfectly, the serpent uh, deceives Eve, right? Uh, eat of the, you know, did God really say not to eat of this? You know, she eats of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Her, her husband, Adam, is apparently there and, and doesn't keep her from doing it, right? And he eats as well, and everything is thrown into disarray from that moment on. The creation is ruined, damaged. And the Lord still says, here's what I'm going to do. And, and, and I'm going to have a redeemer sent, and it's going to come from the line of this woman, right? From the one who who ate of the tree. There's going to be someone born from a long line from her, who's going to put this thing right. Well, that promise was hanging out there, unfulfilled, and the Lord says, though, there's, this is how it's this is how it's going to be fixed. So to be chosen to be this, the mother of the one who's going to do this is where this, this great blessed status is given to her. Mm-hmm. Now, our Lutheran uh, forefathers spoke about that. Um, they speak of her as you know, the most blessed virgin. They speak about her as worthy of the highest honor. But what's important is that this honor has been bestowed to her by God. And, as our uh, apology to the Augsburg Confession says, even though she is worthy of the highest honor, nevertheless, she doesn't want herself to be made equal with Christ, but instead wants us to consider and follow her example. And what you're going to see with the example of Mary is that she believes what is said of her. She believes that this promise God made is going to be fulfilled. She, she believes that she's been chosen to, to bear this son of the most high God because the Lord chose her. And her status is of that. It's of the Lord's choosing, the Lord's conferring. That's right. So her status is a gift. It is God's grace to her the same grace that he shows to you and to me he showed to Mary, and he did so in this very special way by giving her this child, the one that she would bear. And so she is rightly called Theotokos, the God-bearer, the mother of God, which is saying a lot more about Jesus than it is saying about Mary. And we're going to keep talking about Jesus. And as he is confessed in this hymn on the other side of the break, you're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking about hymn number 356 in Lutheran Service Book, We'll be right back. Please stick around.
Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, December 22nd. We are studying the hymn, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. It's number 356 in Lutheran Service Book. And our guest today is Pastor Luke Zimmerman. He serves at Calvary Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Pastor Zimmerman, prior to the break, we looked at stanza one, other than the word Gloria, but we'll save that till the very end of our conversation because it does show up in all four stanzas. Let's take a look now at stanza two. For know a blessed mother thou shalt be, all generations laud and honor thee. Thy son shall be Emmanuel, by seers foretold, most highly favored lady, Gloria. That stands a two of our hymn. This is all in quotation marks, so we are continuing to hear Gabriel's words to the Virgin Mary. Uh, talk more about, we're just about this, we're continuing the, the account from Luke 1. Right, so... When Gabriel comes and brings the Annunciation, you know, it starts with that greeting, you know, favored one, the Lord is with you. And, and, and of course, uh, Mar- Mary's kind of confused about all this. And, and so Gabriel has to say, well, 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 don't be afraid, right? You, you found favor with God. And, and that's where this highly favored lady phrase that, that is repeated um, is mentioned. But then it kind of comes down to business here, though. Here's, here's what's going to happen to you. Um, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That's that's kind of the Annunciation proper, if, if we want to uh, use that kind of uh, um, phrasing. So this is what is carried here in poetic form. right? If you look at those first two lines... It, we can just kind of render it in uh, plain, normal uh, English. Um, I want you to know, or you need to know, you are going to be a blessed mother. And because of that, all the generations that come in a- after you are going to give you, um, well, I guess perhaps our, 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 our children, might, our kids, young ones might say, that's terrible, right? They'll give you props, right? They are going to honor you because of this honoring and favoring God is given to you that you will be the mother of the Son of the Most High God. And your son is going to be called Emmanuel, or, you know, God with us, which we'll talk about in ju- just a moment, okay? Um, so, but those first two lines are basically just kind of uh, putting in poetic uh, language 
some of the details of the enunciation proper. Mm. Uh, and at the visitation, this is also what is confirmed. Because when uh, Mary, who again is carrying the preborn Christ uh, within her, at, by that point, when she's visiting her relative Elizabeth, who's also with child, right, with, with John the Baptizer, uh, preborn also, um, when she comes, uh, Elizabeth recognizes her, right, saying, you know, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb, right? Uh, why is this favor given to me that this, you know, the, the mother of my Lord is here at, at my house, right? Mm. Um, and that is what then Mary in the Magnificat, which flows, you know, that's part of that visitation, and taking in all this, you know, says, right, all generations will call me blessed, mm. right, from now on. Why? Because the one who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The generations of people who want the Messiah, who, who have the Christ as their Lord also, um, recognize this is how the Lord came into the world and Mary's involvement in it. This one out of all the women, again, as we said earlier, out of all the women who have ever existed, ever will exist, only she has this particular status of the one who is the mother of the Son of the Most High God. Now, within this stanza, you've already made the connections to Luke chapter 1, and that's where the event is recorded. But as the, the hymn continues, particularly into the, the third line, there there's some meshing of other texts. The the name Emmanuel by Sears foretold sounds like a reference not to Luke as much as it is to Matthew. Yeah. And that's the kind of the interesting thing is like, you know, uh, when, when we're when we're coming up with Christian poetry, which we really kind of hymn writing is, mm. uh, we're not limited to only like, you know, one text. That's I mean, right. uh, unless you're going to be like, you know, just paraphrasing the Psalms, in which case, you, OK, fine. Uh, and there's a whole Christian hymnody, you know line that just does that but for us we're going to be like okay well if we're going to be talking about just exactly who it is who mary is going to give birth to well well we got some other details given you got this great promise hanging out from isaiah 7 mm. right uh the virgin will conceive uh, give birth to her son and call his name emmanuel and we read in matthew's gospel that that kind of information was sort of important for joseph to learn about right you know, because when you read about the account of Christ's birth in Matthew's gospel, there's this whole big thing that when Mary is found to be with child, her betrothed husband, Joseph, is kind of like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but this ain't, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it takes some convincing of him to understand what exactly has happened. That's when, in Matthew uh, uh, chapter 1, uh, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And he says, you know, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and it goes on a little bit further that Matthew, the gospel writer, wants all of us to know this is how the Isaiah 7 Emmanuel promise gets fulfilled in its full way. Right? This is how God is with us. That God actually literally becomes one of us. He, he assumes humanity, takes on a human nature, uh, 
is made man, as our, our, our creed says. And that's who this child that Mary is bearing, that, that's, that's who it is. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that name, Emmanuel, and the comfort that is ours because Jesus is the one who bears that name. So the big kind of thing is we got to kind of say, so how, how, how are we actually given access to God? Uh, how do we have God present uh, favorably for us? Because you can have God actually present unfavorably. Hmm. Uh, bring judgment, condemnation, uh, you know, uh, fire, brimstone, drop, you know, drop that, uh, that kind of visitation, if you will. <laughs> Um, but for us, we actually have the thing that God gets gets into the creation and gets into the middle of our mess and uh, and takes it upon himself, carries that guilt, carries that burden on himself, bears it, fulfills the law on our behalf, uh, experiences actually the condemnation that we rightly deserve. And does it as our great substitute, and that's what this Jesus is. That is how God actually is with us, and then makes Himself uh, present with us wherever two or three of us are gathered in His name. He's there with us, delivering the gifts that His work of salvation um, has achieved, so that ultimately God's dwelling place can be with mankind forever. That we can be in his presence forever, which is the great promise that, honestly, that's really kind of what the season of Advent is pointing us towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fantastic. And, and again, this is one of the key names of Jesus in the season of Advent. He is Emmanuel. In fact, we've got the, the hymn that we'll look at tomorrow, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that he is God with us. This is a great comfort to us as Christians, that God comes to us to be with us, to be our very brother and our Savior. Let's keep digging through this hymn. We turn now to stanza three. Then gentle Mary meekly bowed her head. To me be as it pleaseth God, she said. My soul shall laud and magnify God's holy name, most highly favored lady, Gloria. That is stanza three of the hymn, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. So let's take the first two of those lines, Pastor Zimmerman. We get the the end of the account of the Annunciation where Mary responds in faith. And you brought this up earlier as the example of Mary that's given really to all Christians. Uh, What a fantastic way to respond when hearing God's word. Let it be to me as God has spoken. Yeah. So at the Annunciation, you know, um, going back to that Luke 1 text, you have this, of course, where Mary asks the angel, well, okay, all right, I'm going to be a mother, but how is that possible? Right? I know no man. I, I'm a virgin. I, I, I understand how nature works, and I haven't participated in that. Okay, so how can I be a mother? And, of course, the angel Gabriel gives her the answer, right? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's why a child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Uh, and and your, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived, right? And nothing will be impossible with God. And that's laid out for Mary. And her response then is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, and let it be to me according to your word. Hmm. I mean, I'm 
someone who has been put into the Lord's service by being chosen for this particular role, and whatever you have said, this message that you, the angel Gabriel, have brought to me, whatever it is, which you have brought from God, so you're, you know, you know, Gabriel's not just making this up on his own, right? right. Uh, here's what I want to happen. He's delivering a divine message. And, and Mary says, well, these words of the Lord you brought to me, um, let them happen. Hmm. And, and so she's trusting. Um, she's trusting what the angel has said about God. Nothing will be impossible with him. And trusting that she has been chosen for this role because it's God's will. And so you have an assent to God's will, um, which is a, an act of faith. And this faith carried by Mary is then also what is spoken of uh, by her relative Elizabeth at the visitation, right? Um, where, where she says about Mary, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And that's what then spills in to the Magnificat, which the first kind of line of that great kind of song that, that Mary composes, which, it, which reflects uh, 1 Samuel, uh, was it chapter 2, uh, Hannah's song. <laughs> you know, so it's like you can tell Mary actually might know this, her scriptures fairly well there too, right. uh, where she says, you know, um, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. You know, and that's what is being um, put in that poetic form in line three. My soul shall laud and magnify God's holy name. Mm. Right. So it's it's. I love how the hymn does this. It suddenly transitions just ever so briefly from the Annunciation to the Visitation with just that one line. But I do think it invites us to, to consider what happens with the Visitation and in Mary's singing of the Magnificat. So we don't have to talk about every single detail there, but, but talk more about that event. As you mentioned already, part of Gabriel's word to Mary in the Annunciation is saying to her, your relative Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age as a, a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. That then spurs Mary onto what is called the visitation. Talk a little bit about that, and then what we find in the Magnificat and the way that relates to all the things we've been talking about in connection with this oh. hymn. All right, that wide-open question. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, Have at it. Good. All right. No, no, it, it really is good. Uh, because what you, what you have is the, the, the visitation kind of event really serves as kind of a confirmation of, of what had happened in Nazareth. Uh, again, the faithful who have been told um, with John's birth, because like earlier in Luke 1, we have the announcement of John being born, is that when the angel Gabriel brings that notice to Zechariah, um, John's role as the forerunner is, is, is disclosed. And so if he is the forerunner of the Messiah, then really the Messiah is like on its way. And now it's been identified who that Messiah is going to be born from. That, that's what Gabriel tells Mary. But Elizabeth is believing this. You know, unlike perhaps her husband, Zechariah, she's kind of like, okay, well, this is what's supposed to happen. And she's trusting it's going to happen. And Mary is trusting what's going to happen. But what is ultimately taking place here 
is a fulfillment of the great salvation promise. And that's really what the Magnificat, the Magnificat song of praise that Mary offers at the visitation speaks about. She does speak about her worship of the Lord. She does speak about the fact that the Lord has looked upon her humble estate, and, and out of all the people, she's been chosen um, to, to bear this. But what then she then starts to go into is not really her role and status, but the things that God does for all who fear him for all the faithful. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. The Lord demonstrates his strength by what he does. He doesn't allow the mighty and the exalted in the earth to hold sway forever. So it's going to be just what they impose, but rather he's going to carry out his will. And his will is going to, at times, turn these things of the world upside down so that the proud um, aren't the ones actually running things. The mighty on their thrones are going to be pulled down if they're going to trust in that. Those who are of a humble estate or are putting their faith in the Lord, they're going to be exalted. Those who have been oppressed and hungry and, and, and pushed away from God's good things, they are going to be given God's good things. And the rich and those who actually have accomplished it by oppression and, and affliction and, and squeezing out the interests of others, well, they're actually going to be shown who's really in charge, and they're going to go away empty. Uh, the Lord is helping his servant Israel because he said he's going to. He, he's remembered his mercy. He, he, he knows the promises he's made. They're not just empty words. But he spoke these things to Abraham, the one whose faith was reckoned as righteousness, the one who believed that he would be a father of many nations and that all families would be blessed through his great heir. All these are tied into this faith that they, they, they are trusting and believing God's promises and God's actions. And now when they take their kind of most concrete form, not just a Messiah promised, but now this Messiah who's going to be showing up, that the one who's been chosen to be the instrument through which that incarnation is going to happen and the birth is going to happen, she has shown her faith. And those who now share that in the fruit of her womb, of the one who's going to be born of her, they also um, are going to benefit from this uh, great divine action that's taking place. Hmm. Let's take a look now at stanza four, the conclusion of our hymn. Of her, Emmanuel the Christ was born in Bethlehem all on a Christmas morn. And Christian folk throughout the world will ever say, most highly favored lady, Gloria. That is stanza four of our hymn, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. So, Pastor Zimmerman, with about nine minutes here, uh, take us into this last stanza. All right. The Annunciation doesn't mean anything unless the actual birth takes place. <laughs> and, and so we, we don't celebrate the Annunciation um, without also celebrating the Nativity, which is what Christmas is going to be. Right? So the stanza basically tells us, again, kind of in straight-up English, um, 
the Emmanuel of the Christ was born of her, that is of Mary, in Bethlehem on Christmas morning. Which again, that's why we that's that's what we're going to celebrate. Uh, uh, late evening, December twenty fourth, early morning or mid morning, December twenty fifth. That's what the Nativity of our Lord. Uh, we recount. You know, you got the glad tidings, the uh, great joy for all the people. To you, the Savior's born in Bethlehem. Shepherds, go look for the uh, a child in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Because that that child actually is God with us. Now, because that's happened, the Lord made good on his promises in large scale, meaning all the way back from Genesis 3 to, to uh, Christmas morning in Bethlehem. Or maybe in smaller scale, you, Mary, have been chosen to be the, the mother of the Son of the Most High God, and you know um, she conceives and bears a son, um, because those promises have been fulfilled, we offer our worship and uh, glorification of um, of Almighty God, which is kind of where that Gloria shows up all the all the time. Uh, in fact, that's what the angels will say when the Christ is born: "Glory in excelsis Deo," right? Glory to God in the highest. And along with all the people who are believing this, we recognize again. Mary as that most highly favored lady. She is that woman um, chosen out of all the women, again, who have existed in, in the world's history. She is the one who was chosen uh, to be this uh, mother of the Son of the Most High God. Hmm. Yeah. So there is the conclusion of the hymn in stanza four. And when we said we wanted to talk a little bit about the word Gloria before we we concluded. That's the word that's repeated at the end of every single stanza. Uh, what does the word Gloria mean, and why do we hear it so often around the end of Advent and during Christmas? So it's just for glory uh, uh, from from Latin, and we hear about it uh, because it's a it's it's a word of praise and worship. Hmm. And why do we offer our praise and worship of God? We offer it because of what he has done, and maybe back up just slightly, we offer it because we have been made known. Or it's been made known to us what God has done. Right? That's the great news. We weren't there. We weren't in Nazareth when the angel Gabriel appeared. We weren't in the hill country of Judea when Mary visited Elizabeth. We weren't in the Bethlehem plain when the angels show up and tell us a, a child has been born. But all that news, all that information, all, all the details of that have been made known to us, and we're pointed to it and says, that's God at work. That's God fulfilling his promises. That's God doing the greatest thing for you. He actually assumes humanity, carries your guilt, your sin, bears it, and suffers for your sake so that you might live. And that is why we then grant our worship and give our worship in response um, to this great news that has been made known to us. Advent is putting that into our minds again. Long line of promises, they've been fulfilled. We're also anticipating the great promise New heaven, new earth, new age, the Messiah's complete reign. 
That's the one yet to be pro uh, fulfilled, but we're anticipating that it will be. Um, and as these promises are told to us and the fulfilling of them is told to us, we, rec we find our place in that whole line and we realize it's actually all been done for me. And that elicits our worship, our praise of God for this great goodness that he's shown to us um, so that we might be saved by Mary's son. So we also might have the same faith that Mary had in hearing about this promise being fulfilled and her place in that long line. Pastor Zimmerman, with just about two minutes on the morning. Help us to wrap things up. Show us how this hymn, again, points us to Christ as the one who was born of Mary. All right. So the whole thing really just hangs around knowing just who this child that Mary is going to bear, what his identity is. This is a fulfillment of God's great promise. Because this has been done, and we recognize how God chose to do it, we can then speak about Mary as the highly favored lady, because her son actually is Emmanuel. And then with her, we can say, I want these things to be done um, as pleases God. Yes, I want this salvation which her son brings to be given to me, because that's what pleases God. And that this God with us was born in Bethlehem because God wanted to be literally in our presence to redeem us. And that's, that's the great gospel, good news, of great joy message that we'll celebrate at Christmas. And Advent tells us there's going to be a day when we're going to see it with our own eyes, just as Mary saw Jesus with hers. Pastor Luke Zimmerman is pastor at Calvary Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, helping us today with hymn number 356 in Lutheran service book, The Angel Gabriel from Heaven Came. Pastor Zimmerman, thanks for being our guest today. Very welcome. Glad to do it. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions or would like to make any comments on the program, please send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>